Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,148. Ideas are meaningless. Execution is everything. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stan Kaplan. Hey, Stan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready to roll. All right. Stanislav Kaplan has been a gearhead from the day his family landed in America, having come here from the Ukraine. He's raced motorcycles and cars and participated in drifting events. He ran body shops and service shops and served as a service rider and manager at multiple automotive dealerships, including Ferrari, Maserati, Rolls-Royce, Bentley, Lamborghini, Bugatti, Aston Martin, and BMW. And today, Stan produces and hosts the Exotic Car Podcast and Kaplan Marketing Group, known as KMG, where he helps small to medium companies promote, market, and grow their brands. He's also in charge of the public relations for the Porsche Club of America, their Los Angeles chapter. So, Stan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business, your career, and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles? Sure. Thank you. And I really appreciate being on the podcast. Uh, this, When I heard about this, I was really looking forward to it. And you were so welcoming as soon as I approached oh, you with it. I really appreciate it. I do. Yeah. My journey, I think, is very typical, even though it's my own. I was terrible at school. Couldn't get the good the grades up, and my brother gave me uh, some car magazines to get my reading up. It didn't work, but it got me really heavily into cars. <laughs> <laughs> and my journey began. You know, I started in the cylinder head shop, just doing porting and polishing in the back room, just grinding aluminum. Mm-hmm. But what I really enjoyed was learning the flow and the aerodynamics and how what I was doing it was affecting performance. That took me. Very many directions in the automotive world from, as you mentioned, racing motorcycles, racing cars, modifying cars, working in service. Sometimes things just kind of click with you, right? Jobs or cars are not a job for me. The automotive industry is my passion. When I'm at home not working, I'm looking at cars on my phone <laughs> yes, <laughs> or watching Top Gear, that kind of thing. Yeah, And it's one of those things where people... You hear them say often, people who we respect, people that we admire, do what you love and it won't feel like work. Yeah. And that's been my entire career. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. And and I love the fact that you're just starting to get into podcasting. I always am very happy to help people in whatever area of automotive world that they're in. I think that's great. I'm sure you're going to have a super successful time with that because your your cadence and your flow and your friendship and your kindness. Uh, just kind of comes through the voice there. So I wish you the best success there as well. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your success. I always say it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Stan, the wheel. That's a very important question, I think, to ask people. And more importantly, an important question to answer. And I think I've given this a lot of thought. And what I keep going back to is ideas are meaningless. Execution is everything. And I think that's clear, but I'll elaborate. I meet a lot of people, and I've done this myself in my career, of, oh, I had that idea. Oh, 
maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that. And it doesn't work out, or in this case, it has. And the variable of success is the execution. Can you execute on the proposition you just put forward? Because if you can't and somebody else can, well, they did it and you didn't. It doesn't matter if you had the idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is an important point, and I'm a bit of a stickler about a perfectionist. And when I started my journey here about four and a half years ago or so for Cars, yeah, I came up with the idea, thanks to my son, Blake. Thanks again, Blake, for uh, pushing dad into a very (laughs) uncomfortable zone, but it's proved to be very successful. You know, I, I wanted everything to be perfect, and I kept using that in a way sometimes as an excuse to get off the dime and actually record the first show. And many times you just have to put yourself out there. And I think nowadays with podcasting and social media and photography and all these things, people are pretty forgiving as long as you're just out there doing it. And that once you start doing it, like you say, once you execute, you can improve as you go. It's like going out on the track and you get a little better every time you go around, a little better. You ask for some coaching, you pull in the pits, modify some things, go out. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great mantra. It's all to about have. seat time. Yep, yeah, it's all about it seat time. That's yeah. exactly it. <laughs> Life I <completely> is agree. <laughs> for sure. Well, let's go back in time a little bit here because you talked about your brother who kind of urged you to or helped you with uh, your reading and writing and so forth by giving you car books. I think that's cool. I would love to hear a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy? There have been many where it has been reaffirmed. But I think if you want to go back, 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 I think when we arrived in America, uh, into New York, just came off the plane from, uh, we went from Ukraine to Italy, stayed in Italy for a few months, waiting for our green card permission to come in. And when we landed in the airport, my first slash strongest slash never going away memory is sitting at the window, looking the cars drive by, spotting the sports cars. And mind you, I'm six years old or seven years old at the time, and sports cars to me were anything with two doors and a hatchback. <laughs> <laughs> but I just – I could not in, – in Russia, cars were not what they were in America. They were a status symbol. They were a big deal. They were uh, something the, uh, the higher-ups drove around as limos and that kind of thing, and we didn't have one. And everybody here had one. Everybody. It was a combination of things. One, everybody's a big deal in America. <laughs> yeah. And two – the car is the thing. And then shortly after that, we came to Los Angeles and it was even stronger than that of, oh my gosh. The first time I saw a red car, I couldn't even tell you what it was. I feel like it was a Ferrari, probably wasn't. But the first <laughs> time I saw that, it made such an impact on me. I can't help but think that must have driven the rest of my entire life. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I've heard that from other people who've been on the show that come from a foreign country or grow up in a foreign country uh, especially let's say they come from say Russia to Southern California and all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, look at not only all these cars, but look at how many cool cars there are. The people are just driving is everyday cars, Ferraris and Porsches and BMWs and, and all these things. And even people that maybe grow up in the Midwest here in the U S or other small towns and then they come to a big city and they just go, Whoa, what was that? It's <laughs> going by. So Ah, very, very cool. Well, so happy you and your family came here and you're having fun with cars and creating a business around that passion. Really, really cool stories. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, though, during this process and talk about a big challenge or a big failure you face. Because these are, what I say, wonderful learning opportunities. Sometimes people look at failure as, as a bad thing. I think it's a great thing because it meant you tried something 
that you've never done, and if you're smart, you've learned from it. So walk us through one of those times that was important to you and tell us about that experience and how it helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward. Absolutely. Failures are a learning opportunity. That's a great statement. And you have to view it that way. You can't view it as a stumble or a setback. My biggest, I'm not going to call this a failure, but my biggest learning opportunity that didn't succeed, if we can phrase it that way. Sure, yeah. I was working for Ferrari Maserati as a service writer, and I had been racing for a while, and I was working with composites, carbon fiber specifically. I decided to start a company called Speedcraft Composites because I was in that realm, and cars were just coming out that were made out of carbon fiber that were street cars. So the Carrera GT, the Enzo were already out, but BMW had just announced the i3 and the i8, and Chrysler and Ford had announced strategies for going to composites later on. So I went to a place called Aberis, which is a school in Reno, got certified in aerospace composite repair, helicopter rotor blades, airplane wings, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I started this business in Southern California, worked on a lot of exotic cars, fixed some cars, fixed some bicycles, believe it or not, some surfboards, believe it or not, sailboat components, things like that. I stayed away from the aerospace side. I just didn't want to work on anything that might fall out of the sky. Just, yeah, sure. just for my peace of mind. Um, had opportunities with Lamborghini, had opportunities with the U.S. government. At the end of the day, it was 08, 09. The economy wasn't great. I was at a, at a point where I could, I was offered the opportunity to grow if I was bigger, meaning I needed to find capital to invest in me. And if I had that, and if my facility was bigger and I had more people, I could get a military contract, a U.S. government contract. But they wouldn't give it to me unless I did. And the money wouldn't come unless I had the contract. It wasn't just that. But within that time period, I decided to sell the company, let it go, and move on to a better opportunity, building Eleanor Mustangs from gone in 60 seconds. The reason that was a failure in my mind was because I started doing it, and my entire motivation for it was opportunistic. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I see this. Here's my background. Nobody else is doing it. Let me start doing it. I didn't have any passion for it. Grinding on carbon and laying things up and working with resin and getting sticky, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't like I didn't geek out on it. Some people really love that. They love the fumes. I didn't. For me, it was a it was a business opportunity. It was a let's see if I can be the first, you know, the first in this scape and kind of build a name for myself. But that was a failure. I didn't pursue my passion. Is that the biggest learning lesson here? Is it because it wasn't your passion? That's why? You know, I think that what I've done since, I mean, yes, you can say the timing, who knows what would have happened if it was five years before or five years after and money was flowing. But what I, can, what I feel like I can tell you, honestly, is if I had gone down that road, gotten that, uh, that liquid capital, gotten that contract, I can't tell you I would have been, I would have been financially successful, probably. Would I have been happy? Mm, I'm not sure because I can juxtaposition that to where I am now and the things that I'm doing now with the podcast and the marketing and the people that I've met and the direction that I'm going, it feels right. It feels positive. It feels motivational. I talk to people and they inspire me and I, I share their inspiration with my listeners and my enthusiasm, I can hear it when I hear my podcast and my wife can see it and my family can see it where there's a difference. And 
every single person who I know that I would consider a success. And I don't mean financially. I know a lot of people that own a lot of real estate that are depressed, right? People that are actually happy doing what they want to do and are successful at it, that's my ultimate goal. It's not just that dollar sign. Well, it's a smart way to go. That's what Carja is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Now, you mentioned carbon fiber. I was uh, As we're recording this, I just came home from Rensport and Ran into a past Cars yeah, guest, Frank Adeli, who owns Exclusive Option. Incredible young man who started a carbon fiber business, leather business, where they put beautiful touches on the insides of fantastic cars, specifically in this case for the Rensport Porsche, of course, um, who just, you could tell he just loves that part of the industry. I mean, he's so passionate about it. And you're right. If you're going to get into something, you have to be passionate about it. Because you're going to spend a lot of time there. You're going to be working there quite a bit. And maybe the, you know, maybe it was serendipity again for you that it was good. The economy wasn't quite there. There wasn't money flowing because who knows? You might have had this big business now, but you might have been a guy who got up every morning a little bit miserable. (laughs) Do I have to go do this again today? So I think things work out for a reason. But thanks for walking us through that. Probably at the time, very difficult, challenging time in your life. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment when those headlights kind of illuminate a new path for you. Could you tell us about one of those? I think my earliest aha moment, and this maybe was in retrospect. I'm not sure I felt that way at the time, though maybe I feel like I did. It's It goes back to my my mantra or my quote of ideas are nothing, execution is everything. And this is when I started racing. And I had been like every other car guy who has ever existed and talked a big game and spent a lot of time on the forums and chat rooms and at car shows and talking to guys and reading magazines and going, oh, this and that and blah, 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 and variable vein turbos, all garbage. Because when you actually buy the car, build the car, set up the car, get in the car, get on track, everything changes. You can't know that. You can't conceptualize that until you do it. Because I was, you know, the fastest of all of my friends in the canyons and blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff. And I went on, and I had some talent. I did. But I got on the track and, oh, wait, all of these guys are also the best of all their friends. Oh, wait, all of these guys also know a bunch of stuff. But they've been on the track longer and they have experience I don't have. And I'm nobody and nothing. And they also have talent, by the way. So, and, and it's one of those things where I went from... I mean, I literally remember this vividly going to the track with my provisional race license in hand, talking to my girlfriend at the time, towing the car going, I wonder if I'll win, (laughs) which to people that have never raced, that doesn't sound ridiculous. And then I got there and I got the slap in the face. I got the, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I also realized very quickly that competing for seventh or eighth place with a guy that's roughly your ability is just as much fun as competing for first and second. Yeah. Yeah. On the track it is. It it really is. And people don't realize that, but like when you're battling, when you're in the zone, when you get that red mist, which isn't a good thing, but you get to get it, it, it's cerebral, right? But again, you can't talk about it. You can't read about it. The only thing you can do is do it. Since then, that has motivated me And that was my aha moment in the sense of stop talking about it and just do it. And you'll learn what you don't know 
down the road of getting there. Sure. Yeah. And there's plenty of people at the track to give you their advice too. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And the camaraderie at the track is actually something initially I was very standoffish. Initially, they were all competitors and I did it wrong. I was wrong mm, because yeah. they all became friends. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the likelihood of you becoming a professional race car driver is small. Especially when none. you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're six foot tall with a size 15 shoe and 250 pounds. You're yeah. not built like a race car, race car driver. No. <laughs> but friendships no. last forever. And when you, yeah. cr you know, when you wreck or you need a tool or you need a spare part, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to have a friend at the track. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting um, equalizer, if you will, and non-equalizer going to the track. I race vintage cars for 12 years and it's the same thing there. You have kind of different groups of people that are super competitive. Some that are there just to have fun and some that are there just to have the experience and they really don't care where they end up. And what you're doing is a little more serious, but it's the same vein. And yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful learning lesson. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about cars here and talk about your first really special car. That first car you finally got that had some great meaning for you. What was that? Maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. Well, I thought about that actually, and I've talked about it before. And there's two, but the one, so the one that I finally got because you phrased it that way was I was in two import cars and the WRX was just coming out to the US. We had only been reading about it in, in Japan, mm -hmm. uh, Skyline, uh, you know, 22B, that kind of thing. We just think the Evos, we weren't getting any of the cool stuff. And the WRX was just coming. So I got a second job. I was going to school, working two jobs, saving up my pennies. My dad co-signed for me. I got it. The reason that isn't my first great car is two reasons. One, somebody, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I was basically disappointed as soon as I drove it off the lot. And three weeks later, somebody did me the favor of totaling it. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> did you the favor. That's a rare way to point <laughs> to, yeah, to I phrase Yeah, I mean, it that. hurt. I broke some bones. And um, it, it was a couple of years later, everything was, all the dust had settled. But honestly, yeah. I'm glad that happened because that led me into having, I got my money back out of it. It led me into racing motorcycles, eventually led me into being at a car show at Bob's Big Boy in Burbank, walking through the lot. And there was a 1974 Porsche 914 two liter with a for sale sign on, on it. Cool. That was my first awesome car. Yeah. It's not fast. It's arguably not particularly cool, but I drove it around the block at the car show. I bought it on the spot and I regret selling it to this day. This was many years later, but sure. it was the most fun I had ever had in a canyon. And I've driven McLarens, I've driven Ferraris, I've driven everything you can think of in the canyons. Sure. That tiny light little thing with those narrow tires, go-kart feel, no power anything. It has the smell of an old Porsche. It has the feel of an old Porsche. And my particular car has a Pavlovian experience for me because I had spilled some uh, Mother's or Meguiar's, somebody's uh, magnesium polish uh -huh. in the trunk. That It just opened up and because it was hot and the engine's right there, oh, it, just, it yeah. got all over the place. Yeah. So for the next like five years, the car smelled like that. Sure, that distinct so, polished smell, yeah. Uh -huh. Exactly. So now every time I clean a car, it, it takes me back to the 914, and that will never go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, those cars are fun because you can go, I say you can go fast, slow, and mm -hmm. they're momentum cars. I had a 73 2.0 for a while and really enjoyed 
driving that car, especially, and I've had lots of 911s before and I've had them since, but the 914 was cool. I always, though, wanted, and I saw a lot of them at Ren Sport with the GT flares, the GT version of that car is so cool. 914.6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the, you know, the fenders that were flared out a little bit, the the racing version just, it has a stance, like a little bulldog stance that just is a, a marvelous car. But even the the smaller displacement engines, the four-cylinder engines, or as people say, the VW engines that are in those things, just a wonderful car. Well, is that the car that you have your seller's remorse about? Is that the, the big one that you wish you had back? Yeah. It's the okay. only one. I've had many cars since, got Porsches and Mercedes and that kind of thing, but that's the only car that when I'm, you know, at rent, looking photos at Rent Sport, going to uh, the Concorde, Porsche Concorde, things like that, when I walk past the 914, it hurts a little. Yeah. What color was yours? <laughs> Blue. Oh, mine was blue too. And it yeah. had a big Coney sticker on the quarter panel. Cool. On the driver's side <laughs> Coney, uh, quarter yeah. panel. I mean, big. I'm talking about like almost a foot wide that yeah. I thought I could take off. But then when I started peeling it, the paint, paint underneath was coming with faded it. less. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So a little shadow there. For life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. I think I think I'd put the Pegasus on mine just for grins. Uh, I actually bought the car for my son when he was just 15. or thinking that would be a great first car for him uh his mother Ooh. my wife thought otherwise so we sold it and bought him something a little safer with airbags in it for a first car but uh he did uh he would come down on the weekends drive around the parking lot where i was working and learned how to drive shift cars and stuff uh, actually he learned in my 911s that was the car he really learned in that was a much cooler car 72s but uh that is a cooler car. It is. And that's actually an interesting uh interesting difference because the 914 had a reverse dog box Yes, it did. The yeah, it like, was completely different. Yeah, like what the heck is going on with our first gears? What? Who came up with this idea? Oh yeah, if you're not paying attention, you go to reverse by accident. Uh, you don't want to do that. No, that'd be a bad thing to do. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up today. I'd love for you to share a little more more about this podcast you're starting up. I know you've run some shows now to let our listeners know what to expect because our shows are are kind of the same but a little different. Uh, you have a different mm-hmm. approach, but also. Just what has you excited and, and, and uh, fired up today with your business and what you're doing? Thanks. Yeah, it's actually very, very interesting how I arrived to where I am now. And it was it was a long road to get there. I had been the person in the, the background a lot, uh, doing operations, management, pushing other people forward. And it took me some time to realize I, I, I have to do me, right? That, that was a part of it. And it, it's more genuine. It's more honest. And instead of instead of trying to help somebody else communicate their brand, I had to learn how to communicate my brand. So I started the podcast for two reasons. One, I meet a lot of amazing people throughout the last 15, 16 years I've been doing this, uh, being in the automotive space. They all have amazing stories. People outside of Los Angeles think that the car world in LA is Jay Leno. And it is, <laughs> yeah. and he's a yeah. great guy, and he, he's a yeah. great communicator, and he's a great passion uh, for cars. But every other person at that car show listening to him has their own personal individual story, right? Like you and your son in the 914. So I started the podcast partially to help get their stories to the world, almost like a repository of knowledge. Not something that's super produced. It's very conversational. It's very... The anecdote you have with the person you meet for the first time, maybe you're having dinner with your wife and your wife's friend and her husband's also into cars and you have that anecdote in the back of your mind, that's the podcast. And it's something that maybe when you're, when people are 
older and they have grandkids and they're like, oh, grandpa's old. Well, yeah, but you should listen to his podcast. He was cool once. <laughs> <laughs> like, so that, that became something that I was really passionate about because, well, I got a lot of positive feedback and I got a lot of traction and really people understood what that was. And, oh, yeah, I know somebody. Oh, yeah, I have a story. That kind of thing. So that's been going really well. And then also simultaneously, while I'm building my brand and communicating the podcast and telling people about what I do and how I do it, I got really, really good at understanding what that looks like on social media. And I took a little step back and realized, hey, car dealerships don't know how to do social media. They don't know how to do marketing. They barely know how to sell cars. If they weren't a monopoly, they go out of business. They do a lot of content that's from 20 years ago in the back of a magazine, put it on social media, and it doesn't really work. So having a lot of friends in that world, I started to talk to them. And they go, yeah, I know, I know, but it's hard to get there. And I said, well, let me do this. Let me try this. Let me post for you for free and see what kind of content, what kind of traction we get. Let me kind of talk to you about your brand and what that looks like on social media, how different types of social media communicate differently. LinkedIn is different from Facebook, from Instagram, from YouTube. And let's find out who's your audience, who's paying attention. You know, the, the, the common question is, well, if you get a good bunch of 15-year-old kids, they're not going to buy a Lamborghini. Probably That's not. perhaps true, but they have dads. And they're like, hey, dad, have you seen this? Have you looked at this? That happens. Also, unless you're going to go out of business in the next five to 10 years, they're going to turn into 25-year-old kids whose dads have money enough to buy Lamborghinis. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's look down the road. But yeah. then also, like something that I'm having an interesting observation right now is in the Porsche world, you and I are into Porsches, you just went to Rensport, and I was marketing for Porsche Club of America, uh, LA chapter for Rensport. And there is a very obvious divide within the Porsche world of old school guys that are into vintage cars that are perhaps purists into un unmodified, unmolested, you know, the factory did it best, leave it alone. And then the new new guys that are coming up that still love Porsches, that also respect old Porsches, Lufthansa called being a good example, but they're more into the new, the tech, the body kits, the wheels, you know, that kind of thing. And what I've been noticing is they don't really cross-pollinate per se. Okay. So when you're talking about that brand and Porsche's huge and Porsche does, I think, branding as well as anybody in the world does, you have to communicate to those people differently, but you have to communicate to them simultaneously. So it's it's been an, an amazing journey. I've gotten a lot of traction. The last event that Porsche Club of America LA did was the Concours. They had the biggest turnout ever. We nearly crashed, uh, not crashed a website, but we got so much traction to the website that uh, eyebrows were raised, <laughs> which is always the way you'd want it to go. And now, you know, people are approaching me going, can you do that for me? And more importantly, can you explain how you did that for me? Because oftentimes, and I'll sit down in front of moguls, in front of titans of industry, and we're talking about social media, and, you know, they go, I don't get it, and blah, 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 and what's the ROI of this post or this event. And it's hard. It's hard to communicate. And there isn't a, a matrix or a graph that I can show you. I can show you my, my previous performance for somebody else, but your answer is going to be, well, that was for them. I'm different, which one, you're not. And two, the best way that I've, the best analogy that I've discovered 
to communicate how social media works in terms of execution is going to the gym. If you don't go to the gym unless I tell you what the ROI of that push-up is going to be, you're mistaken. Right. <laughs> you you right. won't get a benefit if you don't go You'll get zero benefits. Yeah. If you acknowledge that people that go to the gym are fitter and healthier and you start going to the gym, you will get fitter and healthier. That's right. just the way that works. Same thing with social media. They go, I don't know if it works. And I go, well, your competitor is doing it better than you and they're doing better than you. Yeah. Exactly. Very interesting. Very, very cool. <laughs> How do my listeners follow along and learn more about you if they want to reach out to you? The podcast is called The Exotic Car Podcast, and we're distributed everywhere from iTunes to Spotify to Google. Uh, I publish through Anchor. Uh, so that would be for the podcast. For the company, I have The Exotic Car Podcast Instagram. I have Stan underscore the underscore man is me on uh, Instagram. So it's Stan underscore TH underscore man. Uh, and then if you want to do just pure business, I'm at Stan at Kaplan Marketing Group dot com or KMG underscore LA on Instagram. Uh, and that's where we kind of get more serious and start talking about it. Because even though this isn't a, a car podcast, you might own a cupcake business mm -hmm. or a gym or you sell shoes. But this all still applies. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I put links to those. On Stan's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Now, here's an interesting question for you, Stan. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you were a car in a garage, what would you be and why? That's a good question. That's an interesting question. I really like the way you asked that. I think, look, there's many different ways of doing it. And I, the answer that I would like to give is certainly different than the answer that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, I think I'm, I'm definitely a resto mod. Okay. I think I'm not going to be at the level of a singer. Just not that polished. I'm not there yet. Okay. That's fair. I think I'm going to be something like a 6970 Boss 429 Mustang that, you know, dad and son are working on. Dad's putting or son's putting some influence on disc brakes and coilovers and dad's trying to hang on to some of the nostalgia. <laughs> Keeping and the I'm, eight track under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I have that internal struggle. I see the future. Yeah. But I miss some of the past, yeah. um, and I'm definitely a work in progress. <laughs> I like it. Nicely done, Stan. Well, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, though, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? 
to design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Stan, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. I think you'll like this. You've been here many times out on the track. The white flag's out. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Well, what's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Man, that's good. Best automotive, it's not going to be a quick blip of the throttle. Best automotive advice I've ever received was on the track and it was go try it. Yeah. Because I was a young kid and I thought I knew everything and he gave me some advice and I was arguing and he said, go try it. Yeah, just go try it. Yeah, mm-hmm. be willing to accept new ideas and approaches into that corner. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? You got to do the work. There's, yeah. no, there's nothing else. <laughs> you just got to sit down and do the work. And when you don't want to do the work, you got to do it twice as hard. And when you think it sucks, do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, I know that well after 1,148 shows now here. You just got to get up and do the work. Adam Carolla told me that. I ran into him at Rensport. He was driving his beautiful Paul Newman 935 Porsche and actually won a won a trophy at the Concours. And when he was on the show here, he said, you know what? You just get up and start moving every day. Get up early and start moving. You just got to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a hardworking guy. Talk about a successful podcaster, too. Now, how about a resource? There are awesome resources for all of us these days. Is there one you'd like to share? Resources? I think that we live in a digital age, and it's tempting to to go online and research and Google and try to get your information. And this, this isn't going to be something specific. This is going to be respect older guys that have been around for a while that may not be tech savvy. Respect their advice. Go physically to a car show. If you're interested in a 57 Bel Air, go talk to a guy who owns one. Yes. He, he may or may not be on a forum or on Instagram, but I bet you he knows the answers to your questions. Yeah. You know what comes to mind? Uh, I'm going to drop Rensport name again here because it was such a marvelous <laughs> event. Um, I had a, a wonderful moment with Jackie X, of course, six-time Le Mans winner. I mean, the guy's a legend. And he was just sitting in this chair in the Chapard tent with all these beautiful Porsches, sat down with him. And I said, you know, I asked him a couple of questions. And he, he, he stopped for a moment. He goes, Mark, sit back. Look at the sun coming through this tent and how it shines on all these cars. If, isn't this a marvelous moment? And it kind of touched on what you just said. A guy who's been there, done that. Imagine Jackie X life. I mean, it's hard to imagine what he's done. But he took a moment just to enjoy that moment. And it, the wisdom in that, in that age that he has, I mean, he's got to be in his 70s somewhere, uh, to just take a moment, take a breath, and enjoy that moment for a moment. 
was just marvelous. I mean, it just marvelous. My followers on Facebook know I had a friend shooting pictures of that, and we captured that moment, and it was just, it was just delightful. So that's one I'm of those once in a lifetime things you always come back to, right? It is, and uh, but I think more importantly, and you said it well. I've had a lot of older guests on this show, as old as ninety-four years old. Ed Iskandarian was a guest. Isky Cams. I mean, sure. the knowledge in that guy's head to be able to sit and talk with him and listen to him. Um, had Bruce Myers, Myers Manx, the guy who invented the doom buggy, for goodness sake. I mean, just to listen to him and his stories and what he went through in his business is absolutely spectacular. Now, speaking of these wonderful people, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be? Wow, that's a really good one. Anyone in the in automotive history, living or deceased? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some guys from the Bentley boys, you know, back in the day. There's going to be, you know, whoever was the, the first competitor in Formula One very first year. But I think because I have some reference, I think Jackie Stewart, because mm, yeah. he's such a he's such a great communicator of Formula One and automotive love. But he is a transition from when guys were dying, one guy would die a race in Formula One. And he was at the highest level of motorsport. You can talk to him and he has this, you know how bands uh, often say, or it's a famous quote that if they knew they'd be so famous, they would have been paying more attention. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jackie Stewart was actually paying attention. So I yeah. think a conversation with him or frankly, I would just love to be sitting next to him as he's talking, just be a fly on the wall and have him go from the transition of purely an analog, mechanical, dangerous as hell to what we have now, man, I would love that. Yeah, I've tried to get him on this show. It's been a bit of a challenge, but I'll tell you, I had that moment with Pam. I was at Pebble Beach years ago. I was up in the judges' box area while the cars were going over the stands, and sitting to my left was Jackie Stewart, and to the, my right was Denise McCluggage, who, of course, we lost a few years ago, but she has been a guest on the show, wonderful lady. But I did get to sit and talk with Jackie for about 40 minutes. I, I kept pinching myself wow. going, why is he still sitting here? Why hasn't he left yet? You know? Um, yeah, but he's, uh, he's a very, very interesting chap. Um, yeah. And, and a caring person because trying so hard to save lives in a race that was just downright dangerous and deadly every single race. So yeah, well. I'm going to get him on this show one of these days. I ran into him again at Pebble Beach. Uh, Wayne Craig, who was kind enough to go walk around the lawn at Pebble, was with Jackie, and uh, he's kind of uh, kind of helping me connect with him. I hope I can get him on Cars Yeah here. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? I have to recommend Speed Secrets by Ross Bentley. Yes, Ross is great. Yeah, <laughs> Ross lives right up the road from me, actually. He lives very close to here. He's been on the show, but... I didn't yeah, know Speed, that. Speed Secrets is a wonderful, and and he's actually started a podcast too, which is very cool. I saw uh, that. Yeah, has and a he's wonderful. Got, he's got multiple books, and I want yep. specifically the one that I would recommend for people because he has multiple books on how to drive, how to turn into a corner, how to get off the brake. Yes, read those if you're a car yeah. guy and if you're into that. But yeah. the one I would recommend is the one that he, I think it was the fourth one. Uh, where he talks to the person that's surrounding the driver, the wife, the coach, the team boss, and helps them get into the brain of the driver. Yeah. And yeah. that somehow describes the brain of the car guy also. Exactly. Yeah. Great guy, Ross. I really like him. 
he came down to the house here and we spent a, a morning having coffee just talking about, uh, he wanted some help with his podcast when he was just starting to do it. And I was happy to offer him whatever knowledge I have. <laughs> He's been around the track way longer than I have. But uh, yeah, when I first started racing, a friend gave me his books to read. Uh, very, very helpful. He has, by the way, listeners, a great blog he does every Tuesday that you should subscribe to if you like going on the track. Has some really, really great advice. And I'll remind you, listeners, um, you can find all these resources that Stan has shared today on his Cars yeah! podcast page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Stan Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, and you will find them all here. All right, we are up to the checkered flag here, Stan. This last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it's a fun thought. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but there's three rules to this game. It's the only one you can own. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here, but I don't think that's a problem for you. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So that little trick is off the table. <laughs> so if you want a Ferrari GTO, you can have it, but you're going to have to live with it. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> so what's it going to be? You know, honestly, and you you were close with your your GTO reference. I can't identify exactly why this car stuck in my head. But in terms of purity of drive, purity of design, just simplicity, the 166 Barquetta. Oh, very classic car. Little, the little boat. You the know, I, boat. I, by the way, never sat in one, probably wouldn't fit in it. <laughs> no, you, I, can, I have sat in one. I've ridden in one and you won't fit in it. I'm sorry to say. Although, you know, we could modify it kind of like they did that Cobra when they made the King Cobra and they stretched it out for the drivers and that's gave, right. it a, gave it a little more, uh, a couple more inches so the tall guys like you could fit in it. I always say that's an advantage for me being short. I can fit and drive any car there is. Oh, man. Uh, but, I had, uh, a, I had yeah. a heartbreak moment a couple of times. My, my Halo car when I started, before I started working at a Ferrari dealership, my Halo car was the F40. Can't mm. drive that car. Mm. And I got into a Dino. And I can sort of drive it as long as I throw my right leg over the shifter and switch between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of realized these Italians, I think they're small. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they definitely are. Oh, nice. Nice car. Well, Stan, boy, this has been fun. You've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars yeah audience. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you jump into that slightly modified? Barquetta 166 Ferrari and drive off into the sunset. I think experience as much as you can. I yes. think try different things. We car guys have a tendency of getting tribal about our brands. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to people, I've talked to car guys that were diehard. My dad was a Ford man and I am a Ford man, but man, I drove that SS Camaro and it's secretly kind of nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Experience other things in life. You know what? Because we're not here that long and you might just surprise yourself. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it stretches your stretches your comfort zone a bit, which is always a good thing. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing? Just check me out on Instagram. I think Stan underscore TH underscore man, Stan the man. Uh, Instagram would be the best way because I share everything on there. And then if you want to check out the podcast, it's the Exotic Car Podcast. And again, we're distributed everywhere. Awesome. Well, listeners, you can find all these links again on Stan's show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. I encourage you to check out what Stan is up to. I think you're going to enjoy what he has to offer just as I have enjoyed our talk today, Stan. Thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. 
Mark, thank you very much. You have a great day. You take care. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.